Welcome back to ProMum. I know it's been a little while, but I've been working on a special podcast around paternity. Uh, in this podcast, I speak to Charles, financial controller at Drum, about how he's feeling about going on paternity leave. You can then also listen to his thoughts and feelings after paternity in the podcast following this one. On to the podcast. that I've decided to speak to Charles today is one, he's one of my colleagues, very interesting man, um, and also he's about to go on paternity leave, so I thought it'd be really interesting to um, get things from his perspective just before he goes, and then the plan is to speak to him when he comes back from paternity leave and see whether any of those thoughts, feelings have changed. They might not have done, in which case that will be a very short podcast entry. So, uh, let's just start just so that obviously people listening know more about you, um, your career path so far. So, you've been at Drum just over two years no, now? No, just on, well, about a year and a half, almost year a year and a half. Okay. Yeah, so um, my career path is a, is a bit of an odd one. I, um, I kind of went to university expecting to either uh, join the army or become a, not become a lawyer, but become a professional I suppose Um, was planning on studying law and then uh, a friend's father who was very senior in the RAF uh, said he studied law had a great time wasn't at all useful being a fighter pilot which I took as really sage advice changed to do a more kind of business management style course went up to Manchester um, did my degree um Worked in nightclubs uh, for almost my entire degree to pay for a lot of it um, and realised there was a lot of money being left on the table in nightclubs, not literally, but um, <laughs> there was you know, there was the possibility of, um, of making money from students, frankly. Yeah. So I thought I would try and run nightclubs for a few years before trying to come into banks and earn me some money or raise finance, something like that. Uh, so I did that. I worked, I ran uh, the nightclubs that I used to work in for... Yeah, probably two years, um, and it was just really boring. Um, it was it was interesting from a local point of view, but uh, it just became a very obvious cycle, and I just got bored with things not being more challenging. Okay. Um, so uh, at that time, my dad was really unwell, so I was my focus was entirely elsewhere. Um, decided to change from that and move into accountancy. I started a little while later at Spectator magazine as the kind of junior accounts person. Mm-hmm. Um, very quickly there, there was um, kind of a bit of a reshuffle. And I got a kind of mini promotion to become the number two in the department of three. Um, and kind of my exposure to things increased there. Um, I didn't get on fantastic with my boss. Um, so I think I was at the Spectator for three years, maybe two and a half. Very good going. Um, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Then moved to um, WPP, the formerly, I think, uh, at the beginning of this week, they were the biggest bike hat marketing group in the world. At the end of this week, they are not Omnicom. Uh, our company have uh, taken over. Um, nothing to do with me. Um, <laughs> take the glory. Yeah, take the glory. <laughs> uh, and I was there for four years, uh, and that was kind of the original head office of, of WPP. I had Sir Martin Sorrell in my in my very small company of about 150 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really interesting. It was really interesting being, um, although not from a responsibility point of view, at the top of um, such a kind of important part of, of this industry. Yeah. Um, and kind of seeing all of the different uh, ins and outs and what happened. And uh, then I just had... Uh, I had a colleague who was, um, it was a, sorry, it was a 10 person department, and I was the third person in the department. Um, the head of the department left, and my colleague, who was entirely capable to take his place, showed absolutely no interest. And I realised that that was going to prevent me from moving on. So I decided okay. to look, look for a new role. Um, and that's how I ended up a drum. Nice. Yeah. Good, good journey. Yeah, it's been. During during it, it didn't seem like there was any plan or kind of common thread. Actually, looking back, I suppose we're just over ten years. I suppose, um, uh, 
actually it seems, while not the most obvious, it's not join a company as a grad and kind of stay there for 30, 40 years, um, kind of moving about within it, but there, there is some kind of path. Yeah, definitely. Which is a bit more reassuring. Well, even the fact that you said, like, <laughs> the thing at the nightclub was money. And just, yeah, you know, I mean, that sounds like greed, doesn't no, it? No, 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 <laughs> no, but as in... You know, you can see op- where the opportunity is in terms of finances in order to build a business yeah. and, you know, um, help it run smoothly. So it sounds like you've had your eye on that all along, but you might not have known it at the time. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, and we can talk about this in a, in a different way as well, like I'm especially in comparison with my wife, um, I am in many ways not super motivated compared to a lot of my peers of the same age who are far more kind of boom 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 career and have gone into uh, jobs specifically to make a crazy amount of money or the best career progression um, I haven't done that I've kind of taken what's kind of come up and I've kind of taken that opportunity and this opportunity and things have worked out well for me I've done you know but when I'm when I'm in there I'm quite aggressive with what I want to achieve Um, and again conversations with my wife make me realise that this is quite a it's quite a male thing um, to be that I suppose opportunistic yeah Um, and it's a mixture of being opportunistic and that kind of like slight innate I deserve for that to happen therefore I it's not such a big jump for me to go to that uh, you know to also apply for that job Yeah. yeah which is good that you've you know, got that confidence. It's yeah, yeah. Like, there's. I'm not. I don't know. It's 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 part of the kind of whole equality conversation. Um, you know, women have been told for for thirty years to be more like men to succeed. Like, you know, be more aggressive, be more kind of laddie. Yeah. And I think we're probably at a point where we've accepted that that isn't the right answer. Like, women bring a whole different slate of skills very basically like soft skills rather than kind of, well not hard skills, but you know, more more uh, emotional intelligence, yeah. things like that. And it isn't that they need to be more like men, it's that the people making kind of decisions about who is successful or not need to appreciate that those soft skills, soft, soft, skills, <laughs> soft skills uh, things like emotional intelligence are frankly just as valuable as, you know, the kind of the other KPIs Being really that people brash, get, yeah. Yeah, get measured about. So, yeah. Definitely. Um, so, obviously, you've got um, your daughter. Um, did you always know that you wanted children? Yes and no. Um, I I did. Uh, it was always in my head something that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, um, but my my wife certainly wasn't um, interesting. Wasn't a hundred percent convinced, or in terms of. She knew it was going to happen in the same way as I was confident it was you know, part of my what was going to happen in my life. Um, she she had quite a few, uh, two or three serious long-term relationships. Um, in fact, she was proposed to before and without uh, being too mean to the chap that proposed to her and she said no. The <laughs> one that I think what she said to me is, I knew that I didn't want to have kids with him. And while that wasn't a, uh, oh, I don't want to have kids with you, therefore I need to find someone I do, it was a, it was a realisation that made her realise that she didn't want to marry him. Yeah. Um, and she tells me repeatedly that uh, one of the reasons she knew that we were going to be married was actually with me she wanted to have kids with me. Yeah. And it was... So it was more of a, I think it was more of a journey for her. I was just kind of probably not so aware of what was going on. I was like, oh, la, 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 la. it'll happen at some point. And, yeah. But there was definitely a moment when I have to appreciate that this woman that I love and want to spend the rest of my life with isn't 100% on kids. So while I can try and convince her, if she doesn't want kids, is that enough of a reason for me to say I don't want to marry you and I'm going to move on and I decided it wasn't like yeah. there, there are lots of other ways to add value to the world and you know, I was going to accept that I found the woman I was going to marry and if kids happened that was 
fantastic. But if they didn't, we would work something work else around out. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And do you think she? Um, just some of the conversations we've obviously had about your wife, and you was just saying then like how driven she is. Do you think that's why she w- she almost focused on her career, and that's why she never really saw potentially kids into the in the equation, or? I don't know. I think there are there, there are more variables. It's very hard to put kind of uh, put your finger down on one thing and say it's definitely this. Yeah, yeah. We had very different kind of upbringings. Um, her her parents split up when she was very very young, and then both met before she was ten. And I think it was actually much sooner than that. But um, both met the people they are still with now. Okay. Um, so she really does have four parents. And they are entirely different people. They have entirely different parenting styles. Um, they each had further kids who have grown up with just that parenting style. Uh, whereas I had uh, a very, very stable upbringing. Yeah. Um, so we had, not that her upbringing wasn't stable, but we had very different yeah, situations. Yeah. Um, she has always been very aware of the impact because we've, we've had boring policy conversations all the time, uh, aware of the impact that taking um, a year off in kind of your late 20s to kind of late 30s, I suppose, can have on career development yeah. for women and whether it's a case of unconscious bias or, or conscious bias, actually, when you... You know, if you're sitting down to review a man and a woman who are both 35, they both have a child, but the woman has taken a year off, um, then they have that kind of middle management experience, say, you know, four years experience where the other person's got five years experience. Yeah. And it's trying to make it's trying to make that so it's not a uh, it's not a decision where someone has to. All women shortlists. Like we yeah. have to include women just to make them feel better. It's leveling, genuinely leveling the playing field. So it, you just take sex out of the equation. Yeah, yeah. Gender out of the equation, should we say? Well, yeah, gender out of the equation, but also I think years out of the equation. Yeah. So you know, so many people sometimes go like, "Oh, you're not, you're not right for this job because you've only done five years, and really you should have done seven years." And it's like you could have someone that has seven years on them in terms of the business but it doesn't mean that they're better at the job some people learn faster no, and or just just get it yeah. and so but a lot of the people don't just see it on paper don't they and don't give people that chance so um very very hard um so with that in mind then did you did you ever worry about having children and like a career um from a long-term point of view no in terms of i didn't I didn't have some kind of master plan uh, when when Shep Prince Leave came out as a as a concept. Um, I was fully behind it because, it, in my eyes, it would help um, kind of rebalance. Um, you know, if if everyone who had a child took six months off, or you know, took a period of time off, um, it wouldn't uh, kind of skew the the opportunity as much. I think one of the yeah. things. Um, but certainly, because of the timing of, of me starting here, um, and you know, unless you're the most fertile people in the world, like <laughs> trying for a kid and actually conceiving are not like necessarily. Well, you don't know. You can't predict how long it's going to take. So I ended up. We ended up getting pregnant. Um, I think two months after I started at Drum. And it, okay. in fact, it was it was two weeks after the legal kind of requirement for Drum to offer me Shepard to leave. Okay. Which was when I realised that I had a very kind of beating heart moment where I thought that I was in a bit in danger that it would have to be a goodwill thing rather than a no. I I know my rights. This is what I would like to do. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, but no, there was definitely a wobble after we got pregnant and I realised that I was at a brand new job and was that going to, what was that going to stop for me? Yeah. Uh, my wife was, was very good at saying, no, we, we've spoken about this. 
you know, there are there are lots of reasons we're doing this. Um, not only from a kind of male-female equality point of view, from a, from the workplace, but also, um, you know, us teaching our daughter that she doesn't always need to go to her mother for emotional support or when she's you know hurt herself. She yeah. t- and it's essentially stop my wife becoming the primary caregiver. Yeah. Like at this point, kind of sub six months when she's still breastfeeding, it's very hard to to get away yeah, from her. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, to try to start the ball rolling where we, we can't take any core responsibility. Yeah. So I guess that's how you're saying the decision. Did you always know at that point when, when you know, you say you got pregnant, um, did you kind of know straight away it's like, I want to be, I want to take that paternity leave? Um, yeah, I think I did. I think I did. Um Short, short-term memory as a, as a newish parent just disappears. Baby brain. Um, just the things you focus on in the immediate kind of future and the immediate past just totally wipe out everything. Um, yeah, I think so. I know it was certainly something I was very positive about. Yeah. Um, of course, we had a big building project extension to our, our relatively small flat uh, in the works, so kind of money became a, a focus. Um, and I was, uh, there was a moment where I didn't realise that um, I got both the two weeks at the start and the possibility of the shared parental leave at any time. I thought it was either or. Okay. And there was the possibility of either getting two weeks at what was effectively full pay or six months of which I think the first eight weeks would be at statutory and then nothing. Yeah. So I did, there was a part of me that thought that was maybe the two weeks would have been too good to give up because it would have been two weeks at a very useful time and it was a very useful time. Yeah. But I was pleasantly surprised when I found out it was both. That's, um, yeah, yeah, that's good. Because did you know your, I guess when you decided like we're going to plan to have children, did you know all your rights at that point as you was going into it or um, was it kind of like oh shit we're pregnant actually no I did yeah Yeah, I did so um, I knowing it was something we were thinking about while I was at WPP I uh, regularly kind of chided the the HR director HR manager because I quite often I did payroll accounting at WPP, so I had a pretty close relationship with him um, about shared parental leave. You know, what is companies are very good at saying this is our enhanced maternity package, yeah. and the paternity leave in terms of the two weeks is relatively simple and cut and dry. But then a lot of people have kind of essentially waited until they've been tested with shared parental leave to actually produce a policy, and sadly, that's actually what happened at WPP. I had been knocking on the door for I'd say 12 months saying look I want to know this is going to affect me at some point I want to know what the company's policy is and it was essentially it's going to happen it's going to happen and then a woman uh, so a woman actually was pregnant and wanted to take shared parental leave with with her husband who worked outside the company Um, and it was very much on the back of a envelope policy Uh, and then so I've done a lot of research on then and then my wife's company, uh, I shan't name names because they're a very good company, um, but set up by three men who are now in their kind of mid, I don't know, three, three men. Um, <laughs> who, in the who, older yeah, I think, <laughs> segment I think of their life. I think it's probably safe to say they've, if they were going to have children, they've, they've had them. Yeah. Um, and uh, my wife is... Uh, in many ways the most senior woman in her company so uh, and also the most likely to in terms of age she's probably one of the older people so it was more likely to actually take you know that step in in her life uh, and realize they didn't actually have a written down policy which all of the directors were very surprised by they were convinced they did right so when the policy actually came out we both went through it with a with a highlighter saying that's illogical that doesn't make sense that doesn't make sense that's logical. Um, and I think that's partly because a lot of policies are built as, right, we need to consider enhanced maternity. Um, and then they very much block on what do we do with um, pro, uh, you know, fathers 
parental yeah. leave and then shared parental leave. And quite a lot of them are, are really counterintuitive. Like if you take shared parental leave, you lose a lot of your enhanced maternity pay. So if if it's a woman in your company, you're essentially saying we will pay you more to stay away for longer than if you kind of chop and change, yeah, which is a really weird up. signal to be yeah, sending yeah, yeah. to people. Yeah. Um, and sorry, slight aside. Nice, no, good. The other the other point is partly because it's, it it costs more money to the company is a is a better benefit. But enhanced maternity pay, which um, the government will pay, I think, 92% of your salary, or maybe the bulk of your salary, for about eight weeks. Um, anything above that is covered by, I definitely got those numbers wrong, uh, is covered by the company. Um, so a lot of companies top that up. So they top it up for women, and Quite often there is a, a length of service requirement. You have to be here for a year, two years to qualify for this. Yeah. Quite often for men uh, to qualify for that enhancement for that two weeks, there is no service requirement at all. And that's partly because they're talking about you know a lot less money. Yeah. But in terms of fairness, it does seem. It's like the wrong signal bit, to be yeah. sending out. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I qualified for enhanced paternity pay for that two weeks. But I don't qualify for any enhancement as kind of little as it would be here, um, just because of the way it's structured. Uh, because I've, you know, I was here for two months before, yeah, uh, and what eleven months before uh, my daughter was born, yeah. So, but you literally missed out by a month, didn't you? Because isn't it you have to be here for a year? Uh, so I think it's different companies, different rules, but yeah, um, yeah. I, w- I was told that I missed out by. A frustratingly short period of time, <laughs> and we're talking, you know, grand scheme of things. A lot of companies do um, more uh, for a shorter period of time. So, you know, one hundred percent for eight weeks, fifty percent for eight weeks, and then statutory, and then nothing. Uh, the way I'm decided to do it is, um, it's roughly exactly the same amount in terms of percentage of salary, but it's one hundred percent for a shorter period of time, fifty percent for a shorter period of time, twenty five percent for the entire length of the statutory period. Yeah. So you actually end up with, I think I compared the WPP to the Omnicom policy and Omnicom came out slightly ahead. Um, but yeah. That's why you moved. Not really. That's exactly <laughs> why I moved, yeah. No, but well, did no, you factor that? No, 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 no. That's, that's a killer, that's actually a killer point. Um, I, did I ask? I don't think I did. But this came up with my, my sister, who was uh, going to work for uh, one of the WPP companies, and she is three years younger than me, and you know, want, wanted to at least know the answer, even if she wasn't planning on having kids in the next couple of years. Um, but she was, my sister's very impressive, has worked, worked in, uh, kind of worked for Prime Ministers, uh, Secretary of States, um, in her mid-twenties. Um, but she was nervous about asking for maternity benefits because she was worried about the signal that would send when she was being interviewed. Yeah. Um, which is why I, I try and make it a point to ask for maternity and paternity benefits if I'm interviewing. I can't remember if I asked a drum and that would be the only real relevant time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so, I mean, a, a number of companies have published their their benefits on, on their websites so that people don't feel that they have to ask this question because it's a huge deal. Yeah. Because um, I was going to say, like, when you was at WPP, for instance, and you was saying that you was, like, asking about the schemes and stuff, yeah. did you feel like anyone was raising any eyebrows at you? Like, oh, yeah, in the future, inverted commas, oh, no. or... I'm, I'm a difficult bastard. I, I appreciate <laughs> that, that most people see me as, you know, oh, he's just... He's just testing... Not just to be difficult, but yeah, he's yeah. just testing, uh, you know... Questioning things, yeah. testing the water. And that's, that's yeah. what I tend to do. If I think something is, you know, broken or liable to kind of expose the company, or is a risk, I suppose, yeah. then it's not just me being difficult, it's me saying, I'm testing this under no pressure whatsoever, and it's not working. When this is tested, it will be under pressure. Yeah, and it's much better, much better to prepare before rather than during. Yeah, and of course they didn't prepare during. They had, uh, sorry, they didn't prepare before. They had to to do it on the fly. Right, yeah, I think yeah. 
well, coming, coming from the payroll side of it, uh, for the financial side of it, I know it was, it was a bit of a mess. Um, but hey ho. Yeah. So did you kind of set yourself up, I guess, knowing that you was going to have to probably work on minimal salaries between the two of you? Um, did you kind of factor that in and plan for that beforehand? So in terms of um, your move to here, for instance, um, did you... F- did you factor that kind of money imbalance in? Um, no, not not in terms of that much foresight. Yeah. Um, I, when I moved here, I wanted as much money as I could possibly get. Um, like everyone really. naturally does, yeah. Um, but uh, there's definitely been an element of us uh, realising that we're going to have to tighten our belts because money is going to be tighter. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've already we've already signed her up to nursery for when I uh, come back to work and that will that will be essentially like another mortgage going out. Gosh. It's a decent amount of money. Yeah. It, it, in any part of the country other than London it would be I would guess more than a mortgage, but yeah. So it's a healthy trend to change. Yeah. So getting in preparation yeah, for that. Yeah, so there's then. a little bit of lifestyle adjustment, but you know, babies are really good at that. They they do stop you going out quite as much. Um, so you, I think you do. <laughs> very contentious thing to say. There are certain <laughs> things about babies that save you money. Yeah. Like you're you you don't. I don't think we have quite as I don't want to say a flashy lifestyle, but we don't do quite as many things, or at least we do them differently. Um, Your needs change, don't they? Like, yeah. as in, what would have been spent on going for a nice meal instead, you know, is a yeah. high chair for, yeah. you know, or, yeah, or, or whatever. Or, or buying that same food and cooking it yourself, but it saves you money because you're only buying the raw ingredients, you're not paying for someone's time to cook it. Yeah, it's, yeah. All makes sense. Um, Just kind of gets moved around. But yeah, I'm also aware that we are, we're both very uh, financially privileged. Um, that we a own our own home in London, um, uh, b have been able to borrow money to from from a bank to to in, in, increase the size of the home, um, and also you know we both have jobs that pay us good salaries. Yeah. Um, so we have that flexibility. Um, I, I genuinely do not comprehend how people who are not as financially lucky as we are make that jump between can we afford to do it and let's do it anyway. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, we, we definitely did some kind of back of the fag packet maths yeah. before we kind of thought, right, should we, should we try? And realised there was never going to be a perfect time where we had loads and loads of spare cash to pay for all of these things we were told we'd need. Yeah. Um, Thing is, you live with, within your means anyway, don't you? Without, yeah. with or without a child, as soon as you get a pay rise, it's, yeah. it doesn't actually—it's not a pay rise because it just means that it gets spent on other things. Um, so your yeah. disposable I mean, income is no different. Yeah, really. it's your—I suppose it's your approach to money. And yeah. I think I'm sure there are people who have babies and don't change their approach to money. Yeah. Um, but uh, I know a lot of people who have who have changed through necessity. Um, their approach to money after having a baby. Yeah. Um, so, do you think? I know this is hard because it's like this isn't what happened, but um, if the paternity shared um, leave hadn't come in at the time that it did, do you think it would have been as much on your radar, or you would have known as? Do you know what I mean? Do you think? Do you think you would have known that you wanted to take paternity, or do you think it was the fact that actually the timing worked out well that it was it was very topical at the time? Or um, um, again, yes and no. I definitely would have taken the two weeks that were, I say, historically available. I think it's only been around for about ten years. Um, but would I have pushed for anything further? I probably would have taken you know used up all of my holiday for that year and yeah. tried to beg, borrow and steal holiday take more time off yeah um, but would I have done anything else like we've again I know this is an issue for a lot of women they essentially use gaps between jobs to yeah. uh, to do that kind of an unofficial maternity leave 
Um, and again, that's one of the kind of disparities. I will take six months off, but it's not going on my. It's not going to need to go on my CV. I will still have started in, you know, month one, and whenever I leave from, I will leave there. But that six months will be right in the middle, and no one will, no one will ask me because (laughs) I'm a man. Yeah. Whereas um, it's possible that if my wife were to look for a new job, they would ask her how long she took. uh, All these other things. Yeah, it's quite something quite smart actually that come out in. as I was having these conversations with people, I was like, actually, hang on a minute, why don't you on LinkedIn have an official company that is maternity or paternity to not shy away from it and just be like, this is an official company that I've been part of because it's, you know, bringing up a child is a job and you do learn skills from that, even if it is people skills or negotiation skills or, you know, whatever it is. And so therefore we should make more of a thing of it. But been been already been done um, in New York. Oh, They've really? started doing it with LinkedIn. So I think um, I think there's I've thought about this for a long time. I think there's definitely a a gap in the market for um, a company kind of in this in the time when a lot of back end office or or kind of office functions or business functions are being outsourced. Um, obviously we work in an agency ourselves Um, there must be a huge untapped reserve of I would guess mostly women and and mothers who have all of this experience they've built up over 10, 15, 20 year careers but their needs have changed often because of uh, childcare need and they can't work a a 5 day week often more than 40 hour working week because they have other priorities and actually, there has to be something that can be done with that resource. There has to be something, especially as um, kind of remuneration and, and employment contracts and packages start to focus less on the base salary yeah. and start to focus more on the benefits and flexibility and things like that. There has to be something that you can say, you know, we, have a, we have a need for freelancers all the time yeah. and there's no reason we couldn't, frankly, have a list of um, mums, in this case, who, for their reasons, couldn't commit to a full-time job, but actually two days a week, three days a week, uh, is a huge, I think, is a huge untapped. And, you know, there are lots of very, very resourceful people that have made that work for them, um, either to survive or as a point of difference and to really thrive from it. Um, But, yeah, I'm convinced there's something there that could be done. You've just made me think something. Well, I find it interesting in my own head. You can tell me. (laughs) But, like, if you think about, for instance, me and Elliot being a creative team, we've got quite a strong bond. We've got, you know, we know the work that we're both doing and we're doing it together, etc. It's almost like a shared job role. So, in the sense of... uh, So that both of us don't need to be in, it's kind of like... If I done three days a week and he done two, yep. and you shared it like that. So two two points on that. There's actually quite high profile. It was I think the Guardian political editor okay. had. Um, I can't remember the exact names. They're both very impressive political journalists, and they did exactly that. They they both became chief political reporter or editor. I'm not sure. One one was working two days and one was working three days a week. Um, and I think it was because of that that my my wife had an idea for essentially a recruitment app or, right. a, or a job posting app that was, look, you don't necessarily need one person that can do all of this. You'll get a lot more in terms of breadth of skills and experience if you hire two people to do this. But, you know, maybe you get, you know, one person doing one day a week, one person doing four days a week. Because everyone has, you know, applied for a job and look, or looked at a job spec and, and said, "Well, I can do eighty percent of that, but twenty percent I've never even heard of." Yeah, yeah. Um, so actually, by throwing two people at that role, saying, "Yeah, I can do all of that really, really well, and I can do all of that really, really well," you can actually cover that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she spoke to a couple of app developers about it, but um, I think the the reason it kind of fizzled out was it was it was very hard to work out how people would would pay for it because it would be quite a lot of upfront effort to try and convince employers to advertise with you as opposed to a, a single person on a yeah. full-time job. Yeah. 
and it's hard as well is finding I'm very lucky in that I've got a colleague that I get on really really well with and built that kind of relationship with that I know I can fully trust him to go do his bit and I can do my bit but not everyone you know it's not it's not easy to find that no, by any means no either. it isn't and you know we we work in quite a small you know there's 40 40 50 of us here but you know when you get to larger companies with I wouldn't say less specialized but you know bigger teams where you have four or five well, two or three to four or five to ten people doing the same kind of job actually the amount of extra work you need to hire a full person from a resource and commitment point of view that's quite a lot and it's quite a big commitment for the company to hire an extra person yeah if you're hiring an extra half of a person by saying uh, rather than getting someone full-time we're going to get someone to work two days a week and actually that's a benefit for them yeah um, and then actually if they want it we could probably go up to two four maybe even five days a week but we can kind of almost almost have them as a tap you can kind of when it's needed up a bit. yeah yeah um, especially Almost like a zero-hour contract, but not. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. So hard, I've, isn't it? I, I've used what are essentially zero-hours contracts when I ran nightclubs. Yeah. Um, there was no guaranteed hours, but there was essentially. I mean, this is not an example of the the really bad kind of sports direct style zero-hours contracts. Like yeah, yeah. you have to be available, and we'll fire you if you're not. Yeah, yeah. Not really. Um, but you know, I would. I would split hours based on what I knew people wanted and could do, and then there would always be a bit of horse trading. I can't do Wednesday night. Can I do you know Friday daytime or whatever? Yeah. Um, and that very rarely, very 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 rarely was a problem, um, and because that's because I was dealing with students and it and it worked for them. Yeah. Like it's it's when you get into that exclusivity, you can't work anywhere else. Yeah. I think it really becomes a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah. it's, it's all the things of a perm contract, but yeah, exactly. But you've got no guarantee yourself, have you? Um, so, how are you feeling about going on paternity leave? Is I know that probably feels like quite a big and generic yeah. question, I, but have you have you got any fears? Like, what are you most excited about? Like, from both ends of the spectrum, where are you? Uh, I think I think it would be fair to say I'm mildly terrified. <laughs> um, I don't really know what's about. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I suppose I'm mildly terrified about it going something going wrong. But I mean, in a very general sense, it not working, my daughter not liking me as much. I have the huge benefit of going home at the end of the day, and my daughter spent all day with my wife, so I get to kind of fly in and do kind of high up, not high octane, but the fun stuff. But I I kind of do the fun stuff, or I you know I do forty five minutes an hour before she has a bath. Um, and obviously this has changed as she's grown, but uh, doing a period of time where I really don't mind doing all of the hand-holding and playing um, because I'm only doing it for half an hour to an hour, whereas for my wife to do that all day, she would go mad. So I always get smiles and the big and you know, the giggles and the laughs, and to some degree I'm, I'm worried about that dynamic changing, but at the same time I'm, I'm quite keen for my wife to experience, feel, experience that. it on the other side. Yeah. Um, so, no, I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm going into it with my kind of eyes blinkered. Like, I'm aware, you know, my wife and I talk every day about, you know, how her day's gone, things she's found hard, things she's found rewarding. Um, so I know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm conscious of the things I'm going to struggle with and the things that I don't think I will struggle with. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also very lucky because my wife's using up all of her holiday. Um, okay. So I think kind of mid, early to mid November, I go on leave, and she doesn't start work again until the new year. So you've got yeah, that kind got of like changeover period, handover period. Yeah. So if there was anything I needed to learn, I would hope it would come up in that period. Yeah. But again, the the newborn to six month type of baby is entirely different to the six it's months to a year months. type of baby yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's kind of look get the basics but don't expect there to be a manual like you've just got to be there and kind of work out on the yeah muddle like, through it yeah. kind of thing yeah um so what do you think you just said like there's things that you already know that you think you won't struggle with what are they um so specifically uh 
kind of the more so like nappies yeah nappies and uh, you know the, the horrible stuff the the sick and the yeah like, I've I've done that thousands of times now no that's probably not true but hundreds of hundreds of times is that your life in a nightclub um, <laughs> yeah. oh Laura the stories I can tell you but uh, yeah I you know she's de- she's she's going to start eating solid food so I'm I'm told that it will not change I would it will not change for the better but. Um, yeah, I was actually on a on a before my daughter was born a kind of father's course at the hospital my wife gave birth at, and there was a chap there. There was probably about twelve people there, and there was a chap there at the kind of any other questions after four hours, who very kind of nervously said, "I really don't do well with poo. Is there anything I can do to avoid it?" <laughs> and everyone else just looked at him. No, <laughs> no, there isn't. Um, so a peg, yeah, uh, gloves, um, and <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm so so the physically looking after her, I'm I'm not worried about at all. Um, you know, we all have our we both have our jobs in the kind of the nighttime routine, so I know I can put her to sleep. I know I can, you know, change her, wake her up. Uh, you know. Uh, I haven't, because of working hours, I haven't taken her to the doctor or anything like that, or done any of her like regular appointments. Okay. But um, I, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. Um, yeah, I will be surprised by something. Yeah, but you just don't know what it is yet. I don't know what it is yet, and I'm not scared about it. Um, Apprehensive, that be yeah, the right word? Yeah, gently cautious. Yeah. Gently <laughs> well no it's the big responsibility isn't it it's amazing what it can bring out of you in terms of all of a sudden you're like this is an actual life that I have to keep alive yeah and also from an entirely selfish point of view I, I know that I will be a bit of an oddity yeah like there's out of our antenatal group of I think 11 or 12 orig- original people or couples um, there's one chap out of the remaining 10 um, like they're still alive. Like one, one, <laughs> one, one couple moved to Colombia because he's in the FCO, and one couple moved to Kingston. Like, sorry, not Jamaica. <laughs> uh, so they've kind of weirdly, even before the child was born. So it was an interesting decision to join a uh, South London-based uh, antenatal group. But um, only one other chap is taking parental leave. They're taking two months at the end of of uh, their, their child's year so yeah. there'll be a little bit of overlap but for the vast majority of the time in terms of parent friends uh, it will be mostly mothers although people have been really uh, proactive in you know, reaching out and saying I have a friend who's a, an academic and is on sabbatical at the moment yeah. uh, and his son uh, is I think two or three months older than my, uh, my daughter um, and we're gonna we're gonna meet up and uh, you know make it work. But from a very selfish point of view, I know I'm gonna be kind of the odd duck, yeah, uh, a little bit at least. Yeah. But do you feel so? Do you feel supported in your decision then to take paternity leave? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, from I guess there's a, like you, I feel feel like you was gonna ask by my wife, but by your wife, wife yeah. yeah, by work. Yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, uh, work have been absolutely fantastic. Actually, you know, all of the all of the men, senior men, have have been really positive about yeah. it. Um, I've got one friend who has kind of essentially scratched his nose up and said, mm, "Why would you do that?" Right. But in in the main, it has either been no one has said anything. All of the women I know think it's the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. I've, I've, I've got a friend who, who's a journalist um, and was planning on doing, he's about six months, I think, maybe even more ahead of us, um, and he was planning on taking six months leave, and then things didn't, uh, there was restructuring at his company, he took um, redundancy, and now works freelance, so it's, it's a bit different, yeah. but the, the point remains that he is trying to make sure that his wife's career can continue, that he becomes joint, you know, proper joint care yeah. caregiver yeah, yeah. to his child uh, and he has responsibility as well not just uh, yeah. 
not just there. Do you feel supported by society? Like, in a way, I know that's quite like a big, broad question, but as in, like you were saying, like, do you think there does need to be more support groups specifically for fathers, or do you think it just needs to be there needs to be more support groups for parents in general? Do I, do I, do I? I don't think there needs to be more support groups for fathers. I think it's it's quite organic. You know, there's a reason there's more mothers' groups. It's because mothers take a more active role in this kind of thing. Um, there are fathers' groups if you look for them. Um, and if you kind of, you know, lean in and make an effort, you can you can find help and support. It's really easy to grumble in the corner and not do anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not hugely uh, socialised, I think that's fair to say. Um, I could, I'm quite happy, I'm definitely an introvert, I quite happily sit at home um, to recharge my batteries rather than go out and trip like fantastic. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've done that yeah. for years. Um, does, do I need, uh, we don't, I don't think we need more support from society. I think as a, as a policy, as a concept, it needs more acceptance by society. It's still very much a, that's nice, nice but it's not for me. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, I, I have uh, a couple of friends who who still fall into the um, he has a much better paid job than her and a, yeah. and a better job. Like actually, her job is you know, less important. It's a kind of pick up, put down job. Yeah. Um, and there was so, inverted commas there. By inverted, the way. Yeah. yeah. So, sorry. Um, so. Uh, so their argument has been it's a nice idea but we can't financially make it work because um, I wouldn't get paid and we rely on my income Yeah. and it's very hard to argue with that this is just a different set of circumstances yeah, yeah. but um, yeah it's definitely a generational thing and it is not sadly I think it's going to take without while. some significant government intervention and I don't know if there's appetite for that to kind of go down a more Scandinavian role of Look, there's 12 months per child, but two or three months of that has to be taken by the father, otherwise the mother loses it. But the mother can only take nine months, say. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if the father doesn't want to take it, then all right, but you yeah. lose it. You don't, yeah. it's not an eye overall. Yeah. Well, I think me and you have spoken before about like, and it is again like a, a business functionality thing, isn't it? But you get, a year or you get 12 months why can't those 12 months be in the first five years of your child being here for instance like why does it all have to be in one lump why can't it be you know you might want to be there for the first three months come back for a couple of months so very very interesting you mentioned that i will rep omnicom here for a second or at least omnicom media group um, they actually do have a policy. Okay. You will notice in our very flashy new uh, How Drum Works Guys book. Yeah. Um, of now it's unpaid leave, but you can take up to I want to say it's either twelve or eighteen weeks. Oh I did see something about this in, yeah. uh, it's either the first twelve or eighteen years of your child's life for whatever reason. Yeah. That's essentially kind of it's not presenteeism but it's like I need to be there. And I can't, it's not, you know, related to. Yeah. What do you think companies could be doing to help fathers be the best that they can, obviously at work and at home? Um, I suppose the, the short answer is, ex- but hold, hold fathers to the same standard as mothers. Yeah. Like... In, in a in a in a shitty company, that would be, you know, shouting at the mothers when they have to leave early to go and pick up the kids because damn it, this is a you know sixty hour a week job and, but in companies where it's far more relaxed and I dare say we have that issue here, it's entirely understood that the mothers will make accommodations yeah. for their for their family. For example, I think we've got. Uh, we've probably got four mothers in the office I want to say every single one of them has brought their children into work yeah. because something hasn't worked Yeah. I might be wrong but of the four 
I think just four fathers in the office. Not a single one of them has ever brought their their child. And okay, that's in the year and a half I've been here. Yeah, yeah. But, but still, it's a good it's, gauge. Yeah. You know, it's it's like we need to both as fathers, but as employers, we need to normalise the father being the first call yeah. when a child is sick at school, and we need to, you know, you know, we basically need to hold people to the same standards. Um, what those standards are is, is kind of up to the company and I would hope people wouldn't want to work at a company that has duty standards and I would hope that it would be a benefit to, to a company in their recruitment if they have a reputation for, for being really good but also balanced with, yeah. with how they approach things. Um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's probably the main thing. I don't think it's a case of throwing money at people. Um, I know at WPP there have been a couple of there are a couple of kind of enhanced benefits of like really kind of top level high end like you are so important you can have short term child a pop for short term childcare that we can you know we want you to come to this meeting so uh, at no notice we can provide you know a nanny to come in and look after your kids it's like I it's think you're really, taking it too far there, guys. Yeah, well, not only that, it's it's not understanding, is it? It's not yeah. understanding that it's not that you've got this thing to go to to do with your child and you don't want to do it. It's you want to do it and yeah. it's, it's not a money issue. Like yeah, it's yeah. Even though that's a part of it, it's that's not the main issue. The main issue is that you want to be able to go and do that thing. Yeah, you want to, it's, it's valuable time. You want to yeah. make sure you're there. Yeah. Cool, this has been amazing. Thank you very much. Wishing you all the best of luck in your next six months. And I can't wait to have you back and kind of hear how it's all gone. Yeah. What perceptions have changed. Yeah, I, I, I'm very interested to see if um, I'm a, a whole kind of about face. <laughs> uh, I don't think I am, but let's find out. Totally let's different. Out. Yeah. Cool, good to talk to cool. you. Cool, thank you very much. was another pro mum podcast um special thanks to charles for speaking to me it was great to hear how he's feeling about going on paternity the music on this podcast is called good morning and credit goes to the composer audio binger if you would like to be featured on pro mum or know someone who would get in touch at promum.net